Hello and welcome to Beer Prime, episode 73, featuring Chris Clough from Torside Brewing in the Peak District. Thanks for joining me again. Today's guest, Chris Clough, is one of the co-founders of Derbyshire's Torside Brewing. Known primarily for their smoked beers and big imperial stouts, I'm sure Chris will tell us that that's not all they brew. Before we welcome Chris, I'm going to talk about the two beer festivals that I attended last weekend, Amity Fest and Suds with Buds, both up in Yorkshire. Amity Fest was a festival spanning Friday and Saturday with three sessions, put on by Amity Bruco, based in Leeds. I attended the Friday night session, consumed a lot of beer, and chatted to plenty of people. The next day, Saturday, was up to Harrogate for Roosters Bruco's Suds with Buds Festival, a one-session, six-hour affair. Again, tons of great beer, great music, and a lot of people to talk to. In fact, I had my portable microphone with me and recorded a few chats. So here they are. First up at Amity Fest, the chats with Ruth from Elusive, also featuring Steve from the Beer O'Clock Show, then Les from Neptune, and finally, festival organizer Russ Clark of Amity. I'm at Amity Fest and I'm here with Ruth from Elusive. Hello, Ruth. Hi, Paul. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. How's it going for you? Uh, yeah, good. Busy, no one's being an arsehole yet. It's great. That's very good. That's very, very good. Uh, I mean, I've had Oregon Trail and I've loved it. Good. I mean, lots of people do. I love it as well. Uh, Steve from Beer O'Clock. Beer O'Clock Show. Steve, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. I've just been enjoying a 11% uh, triple IPA. And like the Batman, when Marvel and what's the other universe? The Batman universe. Those people. DC. DC. It's weird. All right, please, please say that I'm Marvel and he's DC. Way around, surely. No, 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 no. no neither of us want to be Mar DC, do we? No. no. <laughs> We're all Marvel. We're all Marvel. Have you guys thought this might be going a bit too far? Yeah, I think so. I think so. So, what was your what was your 11% uh, di dipper? Sierra Nevada. Tipper, tipper. Sierra Nevada Optimum IPA, which is a like an annual release that they do of the freshest hops, and it. But it's not. But it's not better than Oregon Trail or Double Oregon Trail, is it, Ruth? I mean, I think that there are loads of amazing beers in the world, and Sierra Nevada are exceptional brewers. So that's very, very. What's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, diplomatic. Uh, diplomatic. Yes. Almost like a grown-up. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> is there going to be a tipper Oregon Trail? Oh. Um, I think that is something that you should keep an eye on our social media to find out more about soon. Ooh. Ooh, okay. Right, there you go. We have maybe an, maybe an exclusive there. I'm not going to say anything to Steve from Beer O'Clock Show because it's an exclusive. So there you go. Is it, is it the exclusive that I probably already know about? Which is what? I'm not allowed to say. Ah, uh, well, maybe it is, maybe it is, maybe it isn't, who knows? Since I don't know what you know. I'm, I'm certainly not allowed to say on record. Right, okay, well, we've loved being at Elusive at Amity Fest, and I'll probably pop up at another, another stand somewhere else. Les. Hello. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. Yes. I'm good, I'm good. It's good to see you here. And you? How is the festival going for you? festival is absolutely wonderful. Really nice vibe. Good people, good beer. What more do you want? Uh, absolutely. What beers have you got going? We've got a Ukrainian gold nail, the last keg of it ever in the world. Wow. Yeah, we've got White Horses, which is a wheat beer, German style. We've got Big Sur, West Coast Pale Ale. And we've got a New Zealand double IPA. Fantastic. And wh which one of those is flying out? Uh, Big Sur at the moment, because West Coast is the best coast. I agree with you there. <laughs> and, I had West, and I had Big Sur earlier, and I loved it. Brilliant. Absolutely. Well, Les, it's great to see you. And you, Paul. Enjoy the rest of the festival. You too, sir. 
Okay, so I'm here with Russ. Hello. Of Amity. Hello. <laughs> Russ, this is an amazing festival. How's it going for you? Thank you. I've had one of our pouring units explode. Oh, uh, my God. Got fixed. So now fine. That's yeah. all right then. So everything's okay. That's okay. <laughs> So this is an amazing festival. Thank you very much. I'm enjoying much. it so much. Thank you. You've got some great, great um, guest brewing, uh, yeah. pouring as well. Yeah. Yeah, well, honestly, the, the, whole, the whole vibe that we wanted to set up was these are just our friends. Yeah. They're people that we've collaborated with or done some work with over the past year. And that, that's all we wanted, really. Just a big party to celebrate us surviving three years. Yeah, well, happy birthday. Uh, thank you, yes. And, uh, but, but celebrate with the people that helped us along the way as well. Yeah, and I've got to say that I love this size of festival yeah. because you can actually drink beer from pretty much everybody. Yeah, there's, there's, there's no real cues. There's a lack of that hype that you might get at other breweries, but we, we're also shouting about other smaller breweries like us. Yeah. You know, we want... We want these breweries to get more recognition. There, there's some amazing people like McCall's um, Anthology based in Leeds. Um, but then there's some of the bigger ones like Kirkstall and Vocation and yeah. Bolt City and things like that. But we're all friends and that's what makes it so nice. Yeah, no, it's amazing. It's amazing. It's a fantastic festival. Really loving it. Well done. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, uh, that there proves that you shouldn't be drunk in charge of a mic at a beer festival. And the next day, I did it again. So next up at Suds with Buds, I caught up with Sirens' Sean Knight, Elusive's Andy Parker, and the organiser of the festival, Tom Fozard of Roosters Bruco. Here they are. So I'm here with Sean from yeah. Siren. How you doing? Yeah, very good. Excellent. How's the festival been for you so far? Yeah, it's been good. Nice to meet new people in the industry. We don't get, I don't get up here often, so... No, no, they don't let you out much, do they? Yeah, yeah. and meeting a lot of people asking where we where we base, so first-time customers getting to be face-to-face with. Excellent. And uh, you're, you're pouring Illuminati today. I've got some of it right now. Yeah. It broke the internet yesterday. Yeah, yeah, that was the plan. So uh, get it trending. Fantastic, yeah, yeah. And it's brilliant. It's like literally double the strength of Lumina. Yeah, yeah it's a uh, bigger version, and we luckily got access to a hop called uh, Luminosa. So we put a little bit of that in just to make it a bit more punchy and fruity, and it's worked really well. I oh, know, it's fantastic. It's really, as you say, really is punchy. Really yeah, yeah. punchy. Yeah, yeah, it's great. I'm really happy with it. Excellent. Thanks, Sean. Cheers. Cool. Cheers. Thank you. So, Andy, Andy Parker from Illusive, how are you doing today? Good, having a really good time up here. The music's great. Uh, I think you're in the noisiest part of the whole festival. Yeah, it's the coolest part, though. Good vibes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All the, all those, the DJ playing lots of, lots of beats. Uh, so, what's been your best-selling beer today, Andy? Uh, probably the California Games, uh, California Pale. The keg's nearly finished. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, I had that earlier, and I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I mean, I was so tempted to still go for Oregon Trail anyway, even though I've been drinking a lot of it lately, because I do love that beer. But I did go for the California Games, it was outstanding. Yeah, thanks, yeah, loads of Simcoe in it, which you can't go wrong with. Excellent, I'll let you serve the, uh, the, the people that have just come to the bar. Cheers, Andy, thanks very much. Cheers, mate, thank you. So I'm here with the main man. Hi, Tom, how are you doing? I'm fantastic, thank you very much. Excellent, how's the festival been going for you? It's been flawless so far everything I, I might sound really smug saying this but everything that we planned for has happened everything that we wanted to take place has all fallen into place there's been touch wood nothing go wrong so far no technical errors or anything like that. it's been absolutely brilliant yeah yeah no I mean I can I can uh, definitely corroborate 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 that I, I've had way too many beers to pronounce a word like that <laughs> um, but no I mean it's been absolutely fantastic you got a great lineup of breweries I mean yeah the guys coming over from America are, are just that's uh, icing on the cake yeah um, and you know the, the music has been great from what I've heard uh, the food's great it's just a great atmosphere as well great yeah. great um, environment for it yeah I'm, like I said I'm absolutely delighted about it I mean when we sort of this this has been an idea in the back of my mind for five six years it's nothing new in the sense of a brewery doing an invitational thing but I've been to enough enough of them that I knew I wanted to push myself and try and do pull one off 
Um, but what we, what I'm particularly um, pleased with is actually when I saw it was only when it started happening this week when all the sort of American stuff was arriving and the the Americans were coming over. I was like, oh, hang on, this is festival number one. We've we've gone quite sort of like big for year one um, in what we've tried to do. Um, so I'm that's why I'm kind of like feeling that I'm, I'm going to process it probably later on once I have a beer I feel I'm feeling very good about it in a minute but I'm just um, I'm so delighted that we've been able to create this from this is year one I mean you know uh, we're going to be doing this again you know this, this it's yeah. not just a one-off um, but, no. I, but I'm already sort of thinking how do we you know usually someone does an event or you go to it and then it's like there's a one-up next year and a one-up and I'm already thinking how the hell do we one-up this how do you beat it how do you beat it exactly it's going to be tough yeah. but I'm sure you'll find the way yeah, we will, we will. Absolutely. I mean, like, you know, when some of these guys, uh, you know, said they were coming over, you must have uh, pinched yourself. That, is this really happening? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, the, the, the guys, you know, I'll name check some of the breweries, Green Cheek and everywhere in particular. They are, like, beyond beer that we've become really good friends uh, anyway. So I knew when I asked them, not, you know, I didn't expect them to necessarily come and pour the beer. Um, but you knew when we asked them that they'd be, they'd be interested in, in dealing, working with us to get their beer over. Um, you got Kevin um, at Bailbreaker, who uh, my brother's um, really good friends with from doing hop trips over there. I mean, he's literally just flown into the country, landed yesterday. He's pouring here for six hours. We'll have some beers later when he goes home tomorrow. Wow. I, that, I, that, that's crazy. I mean, that's commitment. Yeah, Evan, Evan from Green Cheek and Jeremy from everywhere. We're, we're going off up to Newcastle. We've got an event up there lined up for them. I've got, you know, the free trade. I've got that sort of which we're looking forward to. We're going to go and hang out and just, you know be friends hanging out over some beers as well um, so I'm you know they've, they've kind of flown into for a week and made it made the most of it in that sense so um, I'm delighted on both levels I mean the fact that Kevin just is literally like I'll fly halfway around the world for a six-hour festival yeah. Um, is, is yeah it's, it's quite humbling really no it absolutely should be um, I, I, one question for you about uh, the, the as you said there a six-hour beer festival did you think about making it a weekend um, no uh, I always um, we always knew it needed to be a one-day thing uh, everything that's gone in, on behind the scenes in making this work is just, um, it's been a labor of love, but it's been, you know, all consuming. So to try and imagine doing it again tomorrow or, I mean, even, even you know, we've done a six hour session. We looked at it initially. We thought, you know, we could do like a lot of places will do, you know, 12 till five, six till 11 or whatever and do, do two sessions. Um, I, I just... I want to have some fun afterwards. I don't want to, you know, what, what this, you know, the, the, the what Susan Buds kind of is, is the stuff that's going to take place when you guys leave, because it's all the brewers who are friends, and we're going to just drink each other's beers. And uh, oh, no, that sounds like it's going to be great yeah. fun. So, so quite selfishly, um, you know, yeah, it's a six-hour session because we just we want to have a laugh afterwards ourselves. Um, everyone's got to close down, get out tomorrow, and go back to work. You know, get on with our day jobs properly on Monday. Um, so yeah, it's kind of selfishly for that, but equally, you know, we've, we've, if every person who had a ticket has come here today, that's 675 people, um, and it's made for, a, you know, what is a very, very well turned out event. Yep. If we divided that into two sessions, I don't think we'd, you know, I'm confident we'd, we'd sell more tickets, especially hopefully people want to come back next year now. But I still think we'd end up with like a slightly diluted um, event because it's two, two sessions that would be less busy or it's two sessions that are just... Um, you know, as a brewer, you work it, you enjoy them. You get through session one and you get half an hour to just switch off and decomp decompress. Yeah. And then you've got to go again. And it's really, it's, you know, they're quite challenging. So for, for various reasons, I would 100% stick to this again. Yeah. No, it's been fantastic. I've really enjoyed it. We've still got an hour to go. Yes. I'm going to be searching out those Imperial Stouts now in this last hour. So what's, your, what's your been your favourite beer so far? Uh, possibly Illuminati. Oh, nice uh, But I did have... Uh, I also had your collaboration with uh, Green Cheek and everywhere. Yeah, everything. Um, yeah, everything's just swell. Everything's just swell. Yeah, that was fantastic as well. Thanks. I, um, I haven't even tried it yet. There's been some fantastic beers here, yeah. um, but it's just a great occasion. Uh, congratulations on everything, and uh, really looking forward to future years of this. Yeah, thank you very much. Appreciate cheers. you coming up. No worries. Cheers. Well, there you go. Uh, that was my chats with the people at Amity Fest and Suds with Buds. Uh, listening back to those. I do notice that my voice goes up a few octaves after a few beers. Didn't notice that before. Um, yeah, both great festivals. Really enjoyed them. And well done to all of those people involved in putting them on. Um, and, of course, not just the organisers, but the brewers, breweries who attended to pour their beers. Um, there was many other chats that I had off microphone. I'm sure you'll be glad to know. 
And uh, yeah, it was a, a br brilliant festival. Uh, both festivals were absolutely brilliant. Okay, right. So before we speak to Chris, let's have a quick word from our sponsors. White Ribbon is the UK's leading charity engaging men and boys to end violence against women and girls. Many women in the UK craft beer industry are experiencing this violence in many forms, including sexual assault, sexual harassment, sexism and misogyny. It is not their problem to fix, it's the responsibility of us men. Me, you, your friends, your family. Here's White Ribbon trustee Dr Stephen Burrell. The fundamental idea is to get men to reflect on the role we can play in trying to prevent violence against women and girls in society from happening in the first place. Recognising that we as men and boys actually have a really positive part to play in challenging that kind of uh, violent and abusive behaviour towards women, which we can see is still far too prevalent in society. But obviously there's lots and lots of men who would never dream of using any kind of violence and therefore th those of us who are totally opposed to this perhaps could and should be doing more to speak out about it. White Ribbon does provide an avenue in which men can do something about it and can play a positive role in being part of the solution. So if you feel that you want to be part of that solution, head over to the White Ribbon UK website at www.whiteribbon.org.uk and make the White Ribbon promise never to use, excuse, or stay silent about men's violence against women. Maybe even sign up as an ambassador or a champion too. Let's help make the craft beer world a safe place for women. Right, okay, so let's get the main guest on, Chris Clough from Torside Brewery. Hi Chris, how are you? Good evening, I'm not too bad, not too bad. Wonderful, excellent. Uh, well, we're going to talk about your brewery, um, but I'm going to crack open one of your beers before we start. I've got a okay. few of them in, and um, I'm going to go for Kerfuffle. Uh, oh, no. There it is, <laughs> Kerfuffle, which is a farmhouse that's a very, whip. That's a, that's a very new one, so you, you found a yeah. decent supplier there, I think. Uh, yes, indeed. Um, I got them from Beer Moth. Uh, yes, yes. We do deliver to them every now and then. Right. Okay. So just pouring this out. Um, so, okay. Tell me about this beer uh, that I'm about to drink then. Um, we've uh, we've recently hired a new assistant brewer called Barney. And this, this is the first recipe he's of his that we've brewed, basically. Uh, oh. It's a, um, it's kind of a quite a summery, light, easy drinking take on a classic Belgian wit. It's got some, um, what do we put in it? Orange zest and uh, coriander seeds. It's just a nice light. It, it, it's kind of, I, I hate to reference big names, but it's it, it, it's Hoe Garden adjacent. Is possibly a way of describing it. Yeah. If, if that's no, I see what you mean. Um, and taking the first swig of it, um, I can I can agree that it is it's a, a, a similar beer. I mean, the Hoe Garden. I think, in my it, opinion, it, I think it's like getting, getting a bit downhill now. It, uh, to be honest, I can't remember the last time I actually drank Hogarden. It'd be years and years ago now. So yeah, yeah, maybe maybe my memory of it is quite different to how it is. Exactly. I think it's like a lot of um, beers that end up in hands of macros that it just starts mm, to yeah. to tail off a bit. Um, so like you, I haven't had one in in a while. So uh, I'm I'm enjoying a nice <laughs> independent version. <laughs> Excellent. That was uh, the idea anyway. Yeah, we had a bit of a. We have a kind of we kind of brew what we want when we want, and as a re accidental result of that, we've always we've on well we've often tended to brew wheat beers wildly out of season, so they're like ready for Christmas or something like that. So I, I think this <laughs> might be the first time we've actually got one out when it's hot, so it's, ah, it's nice for that to come together. Yeah, excellent, uh, and as you say, perfect perfect beer for the weather we've been having <laughs> yeah, recently. Indeed, excellent. Indeed. Right, so if people haven't heard of Torside. Tell us all about the brewery. Tell us when you started, where you are. Right, so we've been we've been going. Um, it'll be eight years in August now. We've um, we've kept fairly local really throughout that. We we deliver kind of within a radius of kind of Nottingham to Nottingham on one side to kind of Chester, Southport, Harrogate, kind of forming a circle around there. So um, mm. Sheffield, Nottingham, Derby. Manchester are probably our main markets. So if you're in those areas, you should hopefully 
come across our beers somewhere. We, we, we're starting to get a bit further afield through some wholesalers at the moment. So we've had mm-hmm. a bit, some some beer further down south in recent months. Yeah. We, um, well, yeah, we, we kind of have a reputation for brewing mainly smoked beer and barley wine, but that, that's actually a tiny, tiny fraction of what we do. Most of our beers are kind of, are not necessarily sensible, but they're, they're more... Yeah. More commercial than that end of things, I suppose, is the best way. No, absolutely. And and I think, actually, I, I must admit, that was my impression of uh, of you guys as well. I mean, of course, you know, running events like Smokefest does, <laughs> doesn't help. We'll get onto that a little bit later on. Um, but when I actually went on to uh, to source some of your beers, and as I say, I got them from Beer Moth, um, I couldn't actually find the smoked one on there. <laughs> I didn't have any in so so I ordered a selection I've got that I've got I think your red IPA um I've got a um, I've got a, a stout as well which I'm, I don't think is one of the smoked stouts it might might be might, I might be lucky uh, but I also got one of your dogs of war uh, oh, nice. which I'm uh, looking forward to uh to, to having but sharing because it's a 750 yeah, that, that's, that's the idea with that I think. <laughs> so I think if I opened that and, and consumed <laughs> it in one go well yeah, I don't think it ends well, does it really? Um, <laughs> but I got the Swiss Guard Sighthound. That's the one I've got. Is that, is that the current one? I, I probably should know. Yes, yeah. my head, which it, that is. But... It is the, yeah, it's a Swiss Guard Sighthound 23 it is. So, yeah, nice, nice. I think, yeah. We, we, it's kind of the, the, the dog, kind of the, we've got a set of different dogs with the illustrations and with every year uh, there'll be different beers. So that the, there's, that's probably the third or fourth Swiss Guard side town. So, we, ah, we, right, okay. We so it's just... made it tricky for ourselves to remember what beer is what. Right, yeah. so so same dogs every year, but then the beers that they are attached to is are slightly different so, every so year. So there's, there's a year vintage of each of uh, so many dogs every year. So I think we've we've released six this year. I think. Right. Okay. So uh, like with Swiss Guard side town 2023 will be different from the 2022 version. I see. Okay. Okay. Um, rum barrel aged imperial stout, possibly. I think it is. Yeah, rum or bourbon or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, so we'll get back on to Dogs of War and uh, and, and your other beers in a moment. But uh, whereabouts are you in the country? Oh, sorry, yeah, I forgot the important bit. <laughs> <laughs> We're based in a lovely little town called New Mills, which is it's roughly halfway between Buxton and Stockport. We're kind of just. Just on the edge of uh, the Peak District, quite near Kinder Scout, if anyone knows that part of the world at all. Mm-hmm. Okay, but also quite close to Greater Manchester. Yeah, we're we're um, literally a matter of metres outside Greater Manchester, just into Derbyshire. Right. So Manchester technically our closest market, but because of roads and traffic and stuff like that, it's actually easier for us to get to Sheffield and over that away. So, right. We do, we do that probably just as often as Manchester delivery wise. So. Okay, fantastic. Uh, so, yeah, we were talking about Dogs of War, but you've also got another series, Cats of Chaos. So what, <laughs> yes. what, what's the difference between the two? So the Dogs of War are fairly straightforward uh, barrel-aged beers. So we have a, a series of imperial beers called Monsters. So if we, uh, we'll often put those into barrels for varying lengths of time, and then the resulting beers form our Dogs of War kind of barrel-aged imperial series, I suppose. And the uh, the cats of chaos are the less less conventional ones, I guess. The 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 ones they're often slightly lower strength or or kind of unusual in some way. One one of them we've released every time is a is an ILA IPA. So we um we well we we try to find the, get the freshest kind of ILA whiskey bell we can get and put a super fresh IPA into it and get it out very quickly before it becomes too peaty. So they, they, right. the first the first one we did, I think, had three weeks in the barrel. And then the quickest one, one, one had 36 hours in the barrel, and we tasted it. It was like, yeah, that's definitely enough. It's kind okay. of... Okay. So very, very quick barrel aging then. <laughs> yeah, very kind of, yeah, short-term <laughs> barrel aging. Then at the opposite yeah. end of the... Uh, one, one of our current dogs of war, I think, has been in a barrel for five and a half years. So there's... Oh, wow. There's both ends of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, certainly. Um, you mentioned the monsters as well. So those are your kind of um, imperial range. Um, yes. I, I I think I did see uh, one or two of those on the uh, the site. I didn't get them. But what I did notice, given the, the ABV of them, they're actually really good value for money. 
we, we've always kind of made a point of keeping our beers kind of accessible. Mm. We, when we when we do open events at the Arbury Tap, people will often comment that our our draft prices are quite cheap. But we we just we just kind of don't want to. No, not not just like, not overpriced. That's not perhaps the best way of putting it. But we just want to. We we make enough of how we price them, and we we're, we're happy with that. I suppose that's the that's the, the nicest yeah. way of putting it. it. It's it's one of the reasons why we've stuck with bottles so stubbornly rather than going to cans because that yeah. would, that would force us to raise our prices. I was going to ask you about that because um, you do I think five hundred and obviously those uh, seven hundred and fifty mil bottles. Yeah. Um, so I was going to ask about whether you were ever ever tempting to 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 move to bottle uh, to can. Sorry, but I guess that's the answer, isn't it? Well, yeah, commercially it would probably would be wise, but with um, it's part it's partly the uh, just the nature of our brewery kit. We've got semi open, quite old school fermenters. So to go to canning, we'd have to invest in quite a few new tanks for one, and a canning line, and all that all that goes with that. And we would probably have to up our prices at the same time. I mean, our, our initial objection to cans was we do such a wide range of beers, and some of the styles we do probably two years ago wouldn't have sold in cans. But you mm. you just get everything in can now, don't you? You say canned miles. Yeah. Well, can smoke beers if anyone else is doing them. I have seen them. They do exist. <laughs> <laughs> I think a couple of years ago, we would have said those beers will only really go in bottle. But yeah, yeah. that has shifted a bit since then, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, there's nothing wrong with staying with bottle. I mean, you know, the Colonel in uh, London, yeah, yeah. that they, they don't can either. So uh, we, we, we have a number of bottle shops where the only bottles they tend to stock are us and Colonel and, yeah. and sometimes the big Burning Sky bottles. So we, it's quite good company <laughs> to be keeping there. It, yeah, nothing wrong, nothing wrong with the company. <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, if people are still, um, you know, buying your beer in bottles, if it's not affecting yeah. the sales of them, then certainly no issues. Um, for, for we, we, have, we have some customers who will um, buy bottles, but only, it, it's often it's often quite a weird thing that the, the more cutting edge craft bottle shops will tend to buy our more traditional beers in bottles. It's kind of just just a board and their own appeal, I, I, I guess. But yeah, that is something yeah. we've noticed happening definitely. Right. Okay. Uh, so let's uh, go back to 2015 then, when you started up. Um, it was yourself and uh, two business partners, and yes, you you were homebrewers. Uh, yes, as me, uh, me, Peter, and Nick. I, I, when did I? I started homebrewing about 2010, 2011, something like that. And I've, I've got a tendency to get obsessed and wildly out of hand with things. So it, it quickly spiralled to the point I was, I was just making more beer than I could possibly consume or give away. So <laughs> I kind of already looked exploring brewery options, and in the process of that, um, a what did I do? I went to I went to sit, view a property, and the estate agent told me that he had some it had another brewer looking around at the same property. Mm. And then a week later, Peter and Nick went to view a completely different property and had a different estate agent say exactly the same to them. It, it turned out both estate agents were flat out lying. Oh. On, on the back of that, we kind of found each other on untapped because we were all always in the same venues, always drinking the same beer. So we kind of figured we must be local. And I think Peter messaged me and said, are you looking to start a brewery by any chance? <laughs> and then that kind of led to us joining forces so we could we could afford to start a bigger scale than either of us were planning individually. Okay. And then, uh, yeah, we had, we had a lot of delays with planning, but eventually we, we found the right property and Torside was born. Indeed. Um, and as I understand, uh, for a while you were obviously part-time, you were still working your jobs <laughs> and you were brewing at the weekend, but that's now changed. You're full-time. Is anybody else? Yeah, I've been full-time since... Well, for about four years now. Um, Nick's wife, Sarah, is now full-time. She's essentially our head brewer these days. And we, uh, we've just hired a, you know, this new assistant brewer full-time, Barney, as well. So we, we've got three of, three of us there full-time. Nick, Nick does one day a week, usually bottling or brewing. And uh, Peter and Emma, who's our, our artist, who does all the artwork on the bottles, uh, kind of do all sorts of stuff behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. 
It kind of works like that. So it, it's probably yeah, the three of us running stuff day to day. Excellent. Um, I mean, you mentioned Emma there with the artwork, um, and it is incredible. Uh, and it's great to have somebody in the family, uh, oh, Torside family, who can do that. Um, we, we are in- incredibly lucky to have Emma as part of the and, and, you know, I mean, a lot of people, we talk a lot about artwork on the podcast. We talk mainly about the can art, and, and there's kind of a kind of side discussion about how you can't really do that so much on bottles. Uh, but you're disproving yeah. that, of course. <laughs> Um, but I mean, the artwork is lovely. It's just, it's eclectic. Um, it's she, you know, quirky, got, original. It's just, she's got a huge amount of art to, to choose from. Peter, Peter, she does kind of very detailed, quite big pieces of art, and Peter will often choose like a tiny corner of it and make that into a, a pump clip and the bottle label. Right. Is, she's done for the, for, for the brewery, like as a custom piece. But she, she does these amazing, really super detailed cityscapes often quite futuristic things that I, I love and a, a lot of our bottles have got kind of little snippets of that yeah you know. I mean I, I'm looking at the yeah. one for kerfuffle and it looks like you know it's it's a whole load of um kind of animals mostly probably alien or, or, yeah, or some, I, kind I, of, not, some kind of form I'm not sure I've seen what uh, what full piece that's from but yeah that's one of my favorite yeah. it's and it's great well. But then you've got the kind of you've got those kind of ones. But then when we're talking about the dogs of war and the cats of chaos, they're more the kind of portrait of um, yeah. of the dogs and the cats, obviously dressed up and you know not quite <laughs> yeah. not quite the straight, just a straight portrait, but you know, the, a, a different art style. And it's just yeah, the, the, art, the art actually came first with the dogs of war. Um, the first one was the war Russell, which is Peter and Emma's dog Plato that Emma wanted to draw in the. I'll probably get the name of the uniform wrong. It's some kind of Mayan warrior uniform that the Russell's in. We, we saw, she showed us the finished thing and we, we were all like, that's absolutely amazing. How can we get this on up to a bottle? And that kind of spiralled into the whole dogs of war thing. Most of the dogs and cats are modelled on cats we know or who, people who've commissioned Emma to do the to do the work. I think, I think there might be two fictional dogs, but the rest of them are all real animals. Yeah. Um, and that's fantastic as well. I love to hear those kind of stories. <laughs> in fact, actually, in the last episode, I was speaking with Unbard, uh, with Jordan okay, yeah. uh, from Unbard in Brighton. And uh, he was telling me how King Conquer, their latest uh, big imperial stout, yeah. actually started from a drawing as well. Oh, nice. um, so, so you know, it was like, how can, how can we brew a beer to, to match this artwork? So yeah, that, that's what you've done as well. So it's incredible. You, you never know when something completely unrelated will kind of trigger ideas and it one thing yeah. spirals into another. Ah, excellent, excellent. Uh, well, I'm, I mean, I'm very much looking forward to uh, to trying out the the Dogs of War. But as I say, I, 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 might, have, <laughs> I might have to find somebody to help me out with it. So. Yes, yeah, they're, they're, <laughs> not, they're not solo efforts, really. <laughs> no, 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 indeed. Um, so, of course, we talked about those beers, um, but uh, we did allude to it earlier. It's not the 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 most you know, percentage of beers that you brew, but it is what you're known for, and that's smoky beers. Yes. Um, before we get on to smoky beers, let's mention Smokefest, because the 2023 edition is in September 16th and 17th, although, as yes. I understand, there are only tickets available for the 17th. I think there's 15 tickets available still for Sunday. The Saturday sold out. Right. Within an hour, I think. So, yeah. Okay, so if, any, if anybody wants one of those 15 tickets and they're listening to this podcast, they better get in quickly. How do they do it? Where do they get them from? Uh, just uh, via our website. It's just www.torsoid.co.uk. Excellent. Um, so it's the UK's only all-smoked beer festival. Yes. We, we were hoping it was the world's only, but we'd been recently informed there's a brewery in Texas that also does one, so... Oh, well. we, we think we're one of two, so yeah. we we might be Europe's own only smoke beer festival. Excellent. So, I mean, obviously, you're going to be brewing a whole load of uh, smoke beers for it. Are you going to have some guest smoke beers? Uh, we've got a handful this year. We're not. Uh, we've we've had more previous years because um, the the last two two years, three years have been sidetracked by for well, first COVID, then rail strikes. Yeah, funeral and all sorts of things have, have derailed Smokefest. We we wanted to make an effort this year to have it more of our own beers. We've still okay. we've got we've got some uh, we've got some Schlenkler kegs coming over. I think uh, we're we're brewing. Uh, we're going to be brewing something with Runaway in Stockport that we're going to do a kind of side smoked project with that. Uh-huh. 
I think we we may get some beer from Red Willow as well. That, I think that's the extent of it so far. Red Willow okay. do a fantastic smoked lager. If you ever see that, that's that's worth seeking out. It's very okay. Good. Okay, what's that one called? It's just called smoked lager. Oh right, okay, okay. They haven't given it one of their. Yeah. They've already got a smokeless, which is one of the, which is, I think, is a, a chili smoked porter that is, hasn't actually got any smoked malt, so it's kind of a, a non-smoked smoked beer, which is oh okay, quite a clever thing in itself. As well. <laughs> yeah. Um. So food at the festival. I, I mean, I'm assuming it's going to be an all smoked f- food affair. Yes, we've got a local. Uh, they, well, they're called Epic Pizza, but they do a range of barbecue stuff as well. So they're quite excited about doing all all manner of smoked things. Excellent. And I understand that people can bring things along because you've got a smoking gun. <laughs> yes, we've we've done that a couple of times. Like um, what? what? What things do people bring along? The, the last full-scale smoke fest before COVID, um, people were smoking. What was the weirder things? Smoked some um, uh, scampi fries. That that worked very well, surprisingly. <laughs> um, what else did we have? Some from the, the flying saucers, the kind of uh, fizzy sweet things. That oh, yeah. Um, they were less successful. Peter <laughs> Peter smoked a bottle of of Coke, which which worked. What, what I absolutely loved, but I, I think I was in the minority there. So smoked Coke. He just put <laughs> the smoke straight into a bottle of Coke, and it, it worked deliciously. I thought, but I think Coke have since released a smoked version, and it died without a trace. <laughs> I think even they proved that's that's not a commercial reality. Oh dear, dear uh okay so that's smoke fest 2023 um hopefully somebody's listening um that wants to get one of those 15 remaining tickets for the sunday um you're also doing an event tomorrow i know obviously by the time this event uh, this uh podcast goes out it'll have been it'll have been in the past so so we won't we won't talk about it in terms of get your tickets here but you're doing a cheese, cheese and beer tasting event tomorrow yeah, we're quite fortunate to have a fantastic cheese shop just down the road from us. It was also these days are probably our biggest bottle stockist as well. Nice. Uh, plus, they do a range of uh, very good uh, lambics and Belgian and Ger- German beer. So if, if you're ever in New Mills, Cheese Wheel, they're called. And um, yeah, we've we've done this a few times now. We it involves kind of extensive research evenings of eating huge amounts of cheese and trying all our beers next to them, and then. Um, kind of picking out it, it's often stuff that we, we try and match beers and cheeses that you wouldn't necessarily put together one of one of the beers is a a, a lafoy barrel aged imperial stout that we kind of i think we were trying to put it with some kind of really strong blue cheese and then ended up pairing it with something completely different and it, it's just quite nice to kind of see what goes because it's it's often not what you think at all yeah it's, but yeah, I think it's the third or fourth time we've done it, and they've always always gone down very well. Okay, okay. Um, so, I mean, the reason that you brew smoked beers, um, and I'm sorry to bang on about smoked beers, no, no, but, no. but it is it is quite a, it's quite a key a, 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 a point of interest. Yeah. Um, and it's something that uh, the three of you shared a love of, yeah. and I just want to know where where did this uh, love originate? At least for you. Yeah, it's, it's probably probably from food. I think we all just like, and we, we all just love anything smoked. Uh, I know myself and Peter in particular brewed quite a lot of smoked beers at home because, well, but yeah, what, what was that? 11, 12 years ago, you, you'd sometimes see the one one of the Schlenkeler beers in shops, but that was that was about it. You, they're pretty much unavailable. Every now and then yeah. you'll see a brewery do smoked stout, but we we always from the get go wanted to experiment Ooh. with. Um, uh, smoked different beers, which is which is why Smokefest is possible. We don't if if it was if it was thirty smoked stouts, that would be kind of boring. So yeah. we kind of doing smoked pale ale, smoked uh, smoked all sorts of stuff. We've got most bases covered at this next event. I think. Absolutely, I noticed uh, that recently, maybe even yesterday, was it uh, or today? You were brewing a skipsel. Yes, that was today. Yes. What what's a skipsel? I had never heard of it until a few weeks ago when um, two or three people within the space of two days sent me the same article saying, have you seen this? You should definitely brew one. <laughs> it's, a, um, it's a beer they used, the, the Danish Navy used to give sailors. So it's a it's a heavily smoked, low ABV, um, amber ale, 
basically. So we're aiming for it to be about high 3%, I think. A lot of the descriptions kind of imply, imply that amongst Danish sailors, it wasn't terribly well-liked or very popular, but it, <laughs> it was a thing that existed. So we thought we'd have a go. There's, there's, I think there's two breweries in the world making them at the moment. So it's, it, if nothing else, it's something that hopefully no one coming to Smoke Fest will have tried before. And yeah. We should hopefully be bottling it as well. Fantastic. Yeah, okay. Lots of new stuff involved with that today. We did a we uh, did a three hour boil, which is something we've never done. So on a particularly humid day, that's made for quite <laughs> quite a trying day in the brewery. It's just everything's humid. Yeah. And, and it uh, we've used a Kvike yeast, the kind of Norwegian farmhouse yeast, for the first time as well. So ah. it's fermenting very hot too, as we speak. So it's we we were interested. As much as anything else, we're interested to see what the result is. We think, yeah. we think it, it will be interesting and hopefully delicious. Yeah. <laughs> That's the Excellent. And I think, you know, people perhaps may think, uh, maybe myself uh, guilty of that, that smoked beers might tend to be on the higher end of the ABV, but obviously the Skipsol uh, isn't too, mm. too high. Um, and you also brew a Polish style of uh, smoked beer called a yes. Grozitski. Yes, yes, that that's actually one of our core beers these days. Okay, so um, I mean, what 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 goes into that? How because I understand that you know a smoky beer isn't necessarily achieved in in always the same way. The smokiness is. Uh, yes, no, no, a, lot, a lot of the stuff we've gone on at Smokefest is uh, various different avenues. We've got um, um, Malt Miller down in the Reading sort of way, um, we get them to do some small batches of smoked malt for us every now and then. So we, we've got, for example, we've got, we did recently did an Imperial stout that was had maple smoked, cherry smoked, and beech smoked, and, and oak smoked malt in it, actually. Oh. So purely for the, for the joy of being able to call something quad, quadruple smoked. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, back to the, it's, Grodsky, however, with that we pronounce it Grodsky. We think we're wrong, but we're, we're, <laughs> okay. I've never heard of it before. But before doing my research, I've never heard of it either. So. We tried to pronounce it properly. <laughs> we've still got it wrong, so we, we, we're just sticking with that. So yeah, that's a, that's a two point eight percent smoked oak smoked wheat beer. So it, it um it, it's made with one hundred percent wheat. But it's uh, fermented with quite clean yeast, so it's not. It doesn't really taste like a wheat beer. It's just, just kind of technically, it's made from wheat. So it, it pours. Uh, well, ours at least pours a crystal clear, uh, quite high combat carbonation. So it's got a nice fluffy head. It, it's mm. well allegedly referred to as Polish champagne. I, I, I don't know why who, but we, we've read that in multiple places. So. Right. Okay. Any opportunity? Yeah. Well, I mean, I look forward to to trying to find that. But also, I'm going to Warsaw in a few oh, weeks' time, so I'm going to look out for the uh, for the Polish stuff as well. There's definitely one brewery still brewing exclusively Grodzkis, and I, I think there's probably one or two around. Uh, Nick and Sarah went to Poland not that long ago, and I think they found one or two. I don't. I, there's not loads. It's not huge in Poland, but. If you keep an eye out, you should hopefully find one or two with a bit of luck. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and then at the higher end of the ABV, you also uh, brew a Rauchwein. Uh, yes, yes. Um, which which was a word we just made up at the time, but we've, we've seen <laughs> one or two other breweries using it as well. So, so it has caught on. Yeah, that, that was uh, Peter's creation. We um, all, uh, nearly all of our smoke, uh, all of our strong beers, we brew kind of a, a technique called uh, party guiling where you basically get two beers from the same same uh, set of malt so you kind of um you you run off you run off the stronger more sugary wort at the start of the brewing process and you can brew an imperial beer and then you save the rest and brew a sensible strength beer so the rag wine originated from peter brewing a a, a straightforward rag beer smoked marzen thing and doing an imperial version on the side oh. and I think it was one of the first of, of his home brews I tried and was just absolutely blown away by it. Just like, uh, the, the kind of the um, the high, we find the higher the ABV, the softer the smoke. Smoke kind of tends to punch through a lot more at the lower ABV. So, for example, our, our Godski is possibly one of our smokiest beers at 2.8%, whereas mm. the 7 stuff is 
well, we think kind of a slightly gentler smoke because you've got more of a malt body, more kind of residual sweetness that kind of it all kind of plays together quite nicely, and it's a bit more it's a bit more rounded. So, some of the lower strength ones are, are very smoky indeed. It's mm. kind of counterintuitive because you think if you're new to it, you might start at a sensible strength, whereas the stronger ones are probably more accessible on the whole. I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, if people can't make it to Smokefest, if they can't make it that weekend, you do actually have tap days, don't you? So it looks like it's one or two a month. Yes. We te- we've always tended to do kind of the last weekend of the month, April to September, purely on the basis that October to March, the brewery is very, very cold and you don't really want to be there. Um, we- we've added a couple of extra ones kind of over the some holidays this year to see how that works. So we're open roughly once a fortnight now from now until early September, I think it is. Okay. If you go on any of our social media pages, it's it should be pinned to the top of that all the dates on it. Yeah, no, I think it was actually. I think I saw that's where I saw it. Um, I mean, are you happy with that um, that schedule, or are you kind of working towards having it as a kind of weekly opening? We're in a slightly tricky position in that the brewery's on a marina, which is technically private property. There's a, ah. there's a load of uh, canal boats that that are kind of permanent residents there, so we have to be quite mindful of that. It, it's often it's often an issue when people come to the brewery shop that someone's locked the marina gate and we just get someone phoning us going where's the brewery how do i get in help (laughs) so yeah it's kind of in our minds long term it would be lovely to have that because we get loads and loads of local support and we'd love to be able to do that but yeah it's probably quite far off in the future i think at the moment right right okay we're always keeping our eye out we would we would definitely like to have the tour side tap somewhere at some point so you never know yeah yeah and maybe see if there's like another little unit going in New Mills. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a definite option, yeah. We're, we're yeah. keeping our eyes peeled anyway. Okay, excellent. Um, now, with regards to buying your beers, obviously, as you said, there's a lot of places that stock them. Now, I found it very interesting. I went on to your website and to the, the shop link. Oh, yeah, yeah. And there was it was really quite interesting. And I, actually, I, I really liked it. But you you're actually making it you're encouraging actively encouraging people not to buy it directly from you yeah yeah. but to actually buy it from those shops which which i think is fantastic actually um i know that they're having a bad time at the moment and and i guess you know you you want to make sure that they've got support and so the people buy them from them i mean tell us why i mean i I know perhaps it seems an obvious question but tell us why you've adopted that um technique sprang out of when we first started and were selling our bottles to trade customers one of our local box shops um uh, called uh, called goit wines in Whaleybridge, just down the road that the then owner said to us we can basically we can only stock our beer uh, only stock your beers if you're not underselling us because they'd had some breweries who they're buying beers off and then customers would come in and say i'm not paying that i can get it cheaper at the brewery and it and it just doesn't work but i think more particularly since that or particularly over COVID as well. I mean, throughout, actually, the the um, independent box shops are the are, that's the main avenue where people discover our beers. So mm. we we don't really want to do anything that's going to damage their business in any way. We we'd rather if someone wants to buy a, a box of our beers, we'd rather they go to their local bottle shop, assuming it stocked our beers, and buy them there, and then they'll contact us to buy more, and it the cycle continues. Yeah. We, we do, uh, yeah, we do, we do sell some mixed cases via the website. We, we try and pitch that more as a, a kind of introduction to tour side, or, or we do mixed cases of the strong and weird stuff for, for, for uh, nut cases, basically. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I honestly think that is a, a really great attitude to have. Um, it's great that you guys are working together, and as you say, yeah. it works for you anyway because they sell your beer; they're going to come back to you for more. So. Yeah, absolutely. And they're the, they're the ones. If, if someone's just wondering, some someone wants to just try a new brewery, they're more likely to go into a shop, pick a like one or two bottles from a brewery they haven't seen before, mm. rather than go online, seek it out, and buy it. It just. I, the, the, I mean, there's essentially no difference from the customer's point of view, but you've, a, a lot of the independent shop, shops uh, have got very knowledgeable uh, people running them who, who've selected the beers they stock quite carefully. So um, we find that we're, our beers are often in shops 
where the range they're stocking is slightly different to other shops in in the area where the, they've got someone's running the shop who's really passionate about it who has mm. gone and got out breweries that they particularly like or breweries that you don't see very often around that part of the world and I hate the word curated but I really put to put, put a lot of thought into what they stock and th those are the shops we kind of love going to as well because you know you'll always find something interesting that you might not find somewhere else yeah absolutely um, and of course, as I said before, a lot of them are having a hard time at the moment. I got mine from Beer Moth, but there's another um, that was on your website as a suggestion, which I believe has recently gone out of business, and that's Optimism. Yes. Um, yeah. And recently, you you were part of a, a, a what I think is probably one of the biggest collaborations that I've ever seen. Um, you brewed uh, a, an imperial sour called uh, Optimism as a Radical Life Choice. <laughs> and that was yeah. uh, you guys, uh, a hoppy place, um, obviously Optimism themselves as well, Elusive, Emperors, Heist and Cult of Oak. I mean, so yeah. many, so <laughs> many contributions there and so many great, great um, brewers yeah, no, as well. It was a really fun day. Some, some of those we've brewed with before know fairly well. We've brewed with Damien. I think that's the third time we've brewed with Emperors now. And we've brewed a couple of... We've, we've known Andy since the homebrew days at Elusive, so we've, we've brewed with them a couple of times. Mm. It was nice meeting the other folks. We'd never met the guys from Heist before, even though they're only in Sheffield. And so it was nice to nice to meet them. And um, uh, Cult of Oak, um, he, Roberto who runs Cult of Oak, also has a bar in Hale's Own, which is outstanding if you ever happen to be in that part of the world mm. and yeah, no it was it was it was it was good good fun day that it was a it was a long hot sticky day there was a lot of malt involved and it was quite a messy sort of brew day but i can imagine i can imagine I, I, so, I actually i actually managed to find that um on tap at a hoppy place in windsor oh nice nice um and i had uh, had myself a half of that and it was absolutely <laughs> gorgeous it yeah. was just so that, nice that's a great little bar as well, isn't it? We went there for the first time fairly recently. It's a, yeah. it's a lovely little setup. Yeah, they've got another one at Maidenhead as well, uh, <laughs> yes, like a, yes. a more a more modern one. It's uh, uh, a couple of good bars there. Yeah. Nice. Um. So, I want to come back to your location because, as I understand it, where you are in New Mills, you're right opposite the Swizzles factory. <laughs> yes, we are. Yeah. Ever been tempted to tap them up for a collaboration? I mean, would it be a sour? I don't know. We've had a few people suggest this. We we did contact <laughs> them in the early days, but not not from our off our own backs really, because uh, I don't know if they still do it. Pilot Brewery in in Leith in Scotland do it. Used to do a Palmer Violet. Was it a Hefeweizen? Oh, that's and right. I think so. Yeah. Seen we saw pictures of them opening of individual packets one by one and crushing them. We thought <laughs> that, that's just absolutely awful so we did email swizzles and say is it possible just to get some carmine violet powder that maybe these guys could buy because this just seems so destroying i don't know if I've, I've not seen it for a long time so i don't know if they still do it but mm. uh, yeah they're, they're, we don't really know much about swizzles we know loads of people who work there but it's it's got a kind of slightly willy wonka veil of secrecy around the place so really okay it's <laughs> going out but you don't you can you can smell it we will often open the brewery door and you, you can say yeah, okay yeah, yeah today they're making drumsticks there's a lot of really just <laughs> smell in there which, which is quite nice excellent yeah. for, for people that don't know swizzles uh they're, they're all the kind of the chewy sweets and things like that aren't they uh yeah um, so like drumsticks is a swizzle stick yeah, yeah all that kind of, love hearts is that love hearts that they make yeah and in fact actually though those um uh flying saucers that you mentioned earlier is that something they produce? They as may well? well do those. Yeah, I, I, I lose yeah. track. They do, they do a lot of products. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I suppose very sweety, very like sherbet-y things and that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, okay, so um, I, I was looking around your website, and uh, there were a couple of um, quotes that on, on your about us page that that sure. um, I found really interesting. And yeah, you know, uh, one of them is you want to make beers that interest you. That was when we first sat down to kind of brainstorm what we actually wanted the brewery to be. That's the it, it sounds like a really basic thing, but we just wanted to brew beers where you want, you'd take a drink and think, okay, yeah, that, that, that's quite interesting. There's, there's always something going on. So even if we brew in a 
just a perfectly straightforward best bitter. We'll try and use lesser known hops or yeah. uh, malts that wouldn't necessarily be in that kind of beer. We just, um, yeah, we, we, we it's, it, I don't know how best to put it. We, it. It's a, it's a tricky thing that a lot of breweries aren't able to do largely due to uh, commercial pressures. I think we're quite lucky and we've, we've got a huge premises and fairly low overhead. So we, we've got a bit of leeway that if we brew a beer, if we brew something really daft and it doesn't sell for, it doesn't sell immediately, we've got the space to store it. We've got a big cold store and we're fine with that. It's kind of something that it's, 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 uh, it's kind of a factor. I don't think ever gets spoken about or very few people think about that, but a, a lot of breweries are forced to only brew very, um, and easy, easy to sell commercial beers like yeah. I guess, that sort of thing. Crowd pleasers. Yes, yeah, that's a better, that's a far better way of putting it. Yeah, yes. kind of forced to brew those because they literally don't have the space to store beers if they don't sell straight away. Yeah, it's just a it's just a weird kind of logistical quirk that we're we're quite lucky with that. So it gives us the freedom to perhaps brew things that we think well we we'll like this. We're sure it'll be good, but it might not sell for a few months. Yeah, that's not the end of the world. So it gives it gives us some flexibility that I think a lot of breweries don't have, unfortunately. Yeah, and no, I like that attitude. It's a case of you know, yeah, we want to sell our beer, but we don't want to just make what everybody else is making. Yeah, we want yeah. to make them a bit interesting. And actually, yeah, that kind of leads on to the second quote, which kind of covers that as well. Really, you're saying uh, the range reflects your love of smoked beers, imperial monsters, and well balanced hot bombs. And of interesting flavor experiments and style transgressions, and it's those interesting <laughs> flavor experiments and style transgressions that I want to focus on now. What are we talking? Other uh, than smoking, it's obviously. Yeah, I think what's the what's the more extreme stuff we've done? Um, we haven't brewed it for a couple of years. We've got a um, it's a raspberry and bergamot imperial blonde that's fairly bonk because it was it was inspired by a. A, a cheesecake that Nick and Sarah had in a restaurant once. <laughs> they, came back, they came back off holiday. So these flavors work together. It was amazing. So we we did that. Um, we we used to get the berg, the bergamot shipped over from Italy, so we'd get them super fresh. But mm. uh, we, we haven't brewed that since Brexit, so you can no no into that what you will. A lot harder now, I should imagine. Yeah, the, I, yeah. I don't know. The most extreme thing we we did a we did a curry beer with um, Bayard County in Peterborough when they were still going. Mm. Had, oh, it had the chili, cardamom, turmeric, a couple of other things in it. But it, it, it I think people see the description ch uh, curry beer and assume, oh, well, that's a lager, something to go with the curry. And then they try and go, oh, no. Yeah. It's <laughs> no, it actually is a curry. <laughs> yeah. We'll often release a beer and then there's no style that fits it. So we will just yeah. make things up. We've, we've got a... Uh, What's it we've released at the moment? Ode Rauch Brewing, which is we've absolutely made that up. That doesn't exist. It's <laughs> a Flanders brown ale that's also smoked. We just yeah. just want to do something a bit left field. Thing, thing is, if you use the words that people have seen, maybe not together, yeah, but yeah. in separate I, things, they'll believe it, won't they? They'll just say, yeah. "All right, yeah, 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 of course." And as long as they're familiar with the words, they'll make, they'll decipher it. We 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 don't need to explain too much. No, absolutely. And style transgressions. I, I I like the choice of the word transgression, because that that makes it sound like you actually believe that it's wrong to be doing that. I think often we'll do something <laughs> and think, oh, we really should brew this to style. This this is how this should be, and then we'll be like, yeah, but we've got that hop in and uh, got a different yeast. Well, well, let's, let's let's just go in a completely sideways direction. Nice <laughs> doing that. Yeah, we 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 tend to do it most when we're. Um, I, it often it often comes into things with the smoke beer. That that's usually the the root of our transgressions is smoking something that absolutely shouldn't be smoked. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Um, now I also note uh, from uh, I follow you on on Twitter, so I see what you've been up to recently, and you looked like you had a nice trip over to uh, USA to Washington and Oregon. Yes, that was that was a fantastic trip. Yeah, I, it looks like you visited quite a few breweries in that time. Yeah, we thirty-nine breweries in seven days. I think something like that. I mean, a lot, of, a lot, of, 
a lot of them were very close together. There were a few days that featured a lot of breweries, so <laughs> it wasn't quite as intensive as that sounds. <laughs> and and was that a research trip? And when I say research, oh yeah, yeah, everything. <laughs> did you pick? An, I mean, did you pick any ideas up that you might be putting into practice? Um, probably not beer wise, but it's just it's quite interesting to go to different breweries tap rooms and just see like the little touches they do. So we'll, we'll probably bring some of those home. Yeah. It's interesting just seeing how different some of the beer trends are there. Everything is very, very lager oriented at the moment. There's uh, yeah, a, a lot of cold IPA over there at the moment as well. Yes, there's quite a few of those. Yeah, because just because of where we were, there's a good amount of West Coast IPA as well, which is always nice. Mm. Almost every bar would have at least four or five different lagers on, which is something I think you very, very rarely see in a brewery here. Maybe Lost and Grounded, Flat yeah. Water, people like that, and that kind of thing. But yeah, no, just just interesting seeing the slightly different stuff. We found one smoke beer out of all of that. So smoke beer, wow, not big in the Pacific Northwest. No, no, <laughs> one out of well, I mean, thirty nine breweries. I I, yeah, I, I struggle to actually wonder how many how many different beers there were. <laughs> we were reasonably restrained, I think, to be honest. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, and which one? Which one did you? Uh, would you say is your favourite? Um, we went to a place called Holy Mountain in Seattle that was particularly good. I, I think a, a lot of the breweries we went to didn't have that much variety. They'd have like a, a lager list, a pile of IPAs, and maybe one or two other things. But there's a handful of breweries that actually got 15 beers on all completely different styles and all all done well. But mm. yeah, Holy Mountain it also had some excellent heavy metal vinyl playing while we were there so that that, that was that was much appreciated where else do we go we've got a, we've got a friend who runs the, one of the tap houses for great grains of wrath in portland very good indeed mm. so they're worth seeking out as well I, I don't think i don't think a lot of american breweries get that far afield anymore i think it, it's a bit of a quirk of how the distribution works over there but we didn't see many breweries that you also see over here yeah, no, it, it is it is odd, isn't it? How it, I mean, I guess it's just such a massive country. We're we're so tiny that that you know we can go somewhere locally and find somewhere that's something that's brewed in Manchester or Scotland yeah, or, yeah. or whatever. But whereas they have such a massive country and so many breweries, yeah, there's, what there's, is the point of of yeah. you, know, you you can sell your beer in Washington, Oregon, yeah. you know those kind of areas. I, I, why, I like why push it to why push it to Florida? Yeah, no, I like that idea. I think um, COVID reinforced that a bit about really catering to your local area because we we had loads. Of, we did home deliveries during lockdown, and that completely kept us going with the local community buying loads of us. Mm. I think if, in an ideal world, if you could sell all your beer within about a twenty mile radius, that would be brilliant. Yeah, uh, but again, it is nice to get out further afield as well. So it's a, it's a kind of a kind of a balancing act. We sure. try and. Try and sell some to wholesalers, but not too much because we want we'd still like the bulk of our beer to be kind of close to where the brewery is in an ideal yeah. world. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, well, I have uh, I mentioned earlier that I had Jordan from Umbard on as the yeah. last guest. Now I've got a question for you that's not been posed by me, it's been posed by Jordan. Okay. And Jordan says if you didn't stumble into brewing, what would you be doing? Ooh. Well, prior to brewing, I was a, a, as a Japanese translator, but I think even even if I hadn't got into brewing, I, I would have definitely had enough of that by now. Okay, Japanese translating? Yes, yeah, I, I, I lived oh, yeah. in Japan for three years and then came back and I did a, did a master's in scientific translation and it worked pretty well, that really, because um, of the time difference. Uh, I basically worked 6am till... 2pm rather than like conventional hours which right. gave me a few hours to do brewery stuff afterwards which it meant made for a pretty exhausting couple of years but it yeah it, it did it it kind of fitted in with the grander scheme of things i suppose yeah but as you say you'd probably been bored of that by now yeah. so so what would you be doing instead i don't know i feel like i probably would have gravitated towards running a pub or something like that anyway i was just it it's just where i where Kind of my happy place, I think. If that's, <laughs> doesn't make me sound like too much of an alcoholic. <laughs> uh, well, no, no. Honestly, I think 
I think I, it's safe to say that amongst the listeners of this podcast, you're in you're you're in a, a, a friendship circle. Everybody has the same opinion, so nobody will judge you at all. I'm sure. <laughs> I, think, I think part of it's because we've got the brewery and people recognise us from that. But we just love going to our local pub where we we know everyone in there, and it's, you can just yeah. go there on your own any time and just sit and have a chat to people. And it's it's just it's one of the places I think more than anywhere I just feel totally totally relaxed excellent lovely to have that absolutely no totally agree uh so could you pose a question for my next guest please oh right um i'm I'm gonna ask a really gitty question then and say if you could only (laughs) brew with one yeast for the rest of your brewing career what yeast would it be oh okay wow I'll ask that, but how about how about you though? How about you? Well, what would you what would you stick with? Um, in an ideal world, I'd 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 um, ferment absolutely everything with all value yeast, but okay, no, no one's buying that, and we can't get old. <laughs> so I mean, that's buying the sky stuff. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, excellent. Um, Chris, it's been fantastic chatting with you this oh, yeah, evening. Thank you so much. Um, I really enjoyed this wet beer, um, and um, it's really, really good, really refreshing, and as you say, perfect, yeah, absolutely perfect weather. for this weather. So well done for getting it out in time for the hot weather. <laughs> um, and I'm looking forward to uh, to trying out all the others as well. And I will find, yeah, no, no, I will, I will find a smoked beer of yours as well at one point, definitely. But we'll get them further afield eventually, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Chris, thanks again. Cheers. So if you fancy getting one of those last remaining tickets to Smokefest, then head over to Torside's website. If you can't make September, but you still want to visit the brewery, then they do their monthly taproom dates. Check out their socials for those dates. That's it for this episode. My next one is the third birthday episode. Can't believe it's been three years already. That episode will feature Gareth Moore from Daya Brewing based in Cheltenham. And if you want to leave me a voice message, perhaps something for Gareth, uh, maybe a message about what beers you've been enjoying recently, or something about the podcast, then head over to my SpeakPipe and leave a message there. The website for that is www.speakpipe.com forward slash beer prime. My social media username for both Twitter and Instagram is at beerprimeuk. And if you want to send me an email, it's beerprimeuk at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Cheers.